Chapter Number Fifty of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter Fifty. Tis with our judgment as our watches none go just alike yet each believes his own lord baltimore had not spoken in a mere fit or pique when he told lady swansdown of his fixed intention of putting a term to his present life his last interview with his wife had quite decided him to throw up everything and seek forgetfulness in travel inclination had pointed toward such countries as africa or the northern parts of america as being a keen sportsman he believed there he might find an occupation that would distract his mind from the thoughts that now jarred upon him incessantly his asking lady swansdown to accompany him therefore had been a sudden determination to go on a lengthened shooting expedition by oneself is one thing to go with a woman delicately nurtured is another of course had she agreed to his proposal all his plans must necessarily have been altered and perhaps his second feeling after her refusal to go with them was one of unmistakable relief his proposal to her at least had been born of pique the next morning found him however still strong in his desire for change the desire was even so far stronger that he now burned to put it into execution to get away to some fresh new sphere of action and deliberately set himself to obliterate from his memory all past ties and recollections there was too perhaps a touch of revenge that bordered upon pleasure as he thought of what his wife would say when she heard of his decision she who shrank so delicately from gossip of all kinds could not fail to be distressed by news that must inevitably leave her and her private affairs open to public criticism though everybody was perpetually guessing about her domestic relations with her husband no one as a matter of fact knew except indeed too quite the real truth about them this would effectually open the eyes of society and proclaim to everybody that though she had refused to demand a separation still she had been obliged to accept it this would touch her if in no other way could he get at her proud spirit here now he would triumph she had been anxious to get rid of him in a respectable way of course but death as usual had declined to step in when most wanted and now well she must accept her release in however disreputable a guise it comes it is just at the moment when mrs blake is holding forth on lady baltimore's affairs to mrs monkton that baltimore enters the smaller drawing-room where he knows he will be sure to meet his wife at this hour 
it is far in the afternoon still the spring sunshine is streaming through the windows lady baltimore in a heavy tea-gown of pale green plush is sitting by the fire reading a book her little son upon the hearth rug beside her the place is strewn with bricks and the boy as his father enters looks up at him and calls to him eagerly to come and help him at the sound of the child's quick glad voice a pang contracts baltimore's heart the child he had forgotten him i can't make this castle says bertie and mother isn't a bit of good hers always fall down come you and make me one not now says baltimore not to-day run away to your nurse i want to speak to your mother there is something abrupt and jerky in his manner something strained and with sufficient temper in it to make the child cease from entreaty the very pain baltimore is feeling has made his manner harsher to the child yet as the latter passes him obediently he seizes the small figure in his arms and presses him convulsively to his breast then putting him down he points silently but peremptorily to the door well says lady baltimore she has risen startled by his abrupt entrance his tone and more than all by the last brief but passionate burst of affection toward the child you wish to speak to me again there won't be many more opportunities says he grimly you may safely give me a few moments to-day i bring you good news i am going abroad at once forever in spite of the self-control she has taught herself lady baltimore's self-possession gives way her brain seems to reel instinctively she grasps hold of the back of a tall prie-dieu next to her ha i thought so i have touched her at last through her pride thinks baltimore watching her with a savage satisfaction which however hurts him horribly and after all he was wrong too he had touched her indeed but it was her heart not her pride he had wounded abroad echoes she faintly yes why not i am sick of this sort of life i have decided on flinging it up since when have you come to this decision asked she presently having conquered her sudden weakness by a supreme effort if you want day and date i'm afraid i shan't be able to supply you it has been growing upon me for some time the idea of it i mean and last night you brought it to perfection i have you already forgotten all the complimentary speeches you made me they with a sardonic smile are so sweet to me that i shall keep them ripe in my memory until death overtakes me and after it i think you told me among many other wifey things if my mind does not deceive me that you wished me well out of your life and lady swanston with me that is a direct and mo most malicious misapplication of my words says she emphatically it is i confess that was my reading of them i accepted that version and thinking to you a good turn 
and relieve you both of your bet noir at once i proposed to lady swanston last night that she should accompany me upon my endless travels there is a long long pause during which lady baltimore's face seems to have grown into marble she takes a step forward now through the stern pallor of her skin her large eyes seem to gleam like fire how dare you she says in a voice very low but so intense that it rings through the room how dare you tell me of this are you lost to all shame you and she to go to go away together it is only what i have been anticipating for months i could see how it was with you but that you should have the insolence to stand before me she grows almost magnificent in her wrath and declare your infamy aloud such a thought was beyond me there was a time when i would have thought it beyond you was there says he he laughs aloud there 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 says she with a rather wild sort of sigh why should i waste a single emotion upon you let me take you calmly casually come come now it is the saddest thing in a world to see how she treads down the passionate most natural uprisings within her against the unjust of life make me at least au courant with your movements you and she will go where to the devil you thought didn't you says he well you would be disappointed as far as she is concerned i may be going it appears she doesn't think it worth while to accompany me there or anywhere else you mean that she refused to go with you in the very baldest language i assure you it left nothing to be desired believe me in the matter of lucidity no she would not go with me you see there is not only one but two women in the world who regard me as being utterly without charm i commiserate you says she with a bitter sneer if after all your attention to her your friend has proved faithless i don't waste your pity says he interrupting her rather rudely on the whole the decision of my friend as you call her was rather a relief to me than otherwise i felt my duty to deprive you of her society with an unpleasant laugh and so i asked her to come with me when she declined to accompany me she left me free to devote myself to sport ah you refuse to be corrupted says she contemptuously think what you will says he restrained himself with determination it doesn't matter in the least to me now your opinion i consider worthless because prejudiced as worthless as you consider me i came here simply to tell you of my determination to go abroad you have told me of that already lady swanston having failed you may i ask with studied contempt who are you going to take with you now what do you mean says he wheeling round to her what do you mean by that by heavens 
laying his hands upon her shoulders and looking with fierce eyes into her pale face a man might well kill you and why demands she undauntedly you would have taken her you have confessed so much you have the coarse courage to put it in words if not her why with a shrug then another there think as you will says he releasing her roughly nothing i could say would convince or move you and yet i know it is no use but i am determined i will leave nothing unsaid i will give you no loophole i asked her to go with me in a moment of irritation of loneliness if you will it is hard for a man to be forever outside the pale of affection and i thought well it is a matter of what i thought i was wrong it seems as for caring for her i cared so little that i now feel actually glad she had the sense to refuse my senseless proposal she would have bored me i think and i should undoubtedly have bored her the proposition was made to her in a moment of folly oh folly she says with a curious laugh well give it another name you like after all in a low tone you are right it was not the word if i had said despair i should have been nearer the mark there even might be another word she said slowly even if there were says he the occasion for it is of your making you have thrown me you must be prepared therefore to accept the consequences you have prepared me for anything says she calmly but with a bitter meaning see here says he furiously there may still be one thing left for you which i have not prepared you have just asked me who i was going to take with me when i leave this place forever shall i answer you something in this manner terrifies her she feels her face blanching words are denied her but she makes a faint movement to assent with her hand what is he going to say what if i should decide then on taking my son with me says he violently who is there to prevent me not you or another thus i could cut all ties and put you out of my life at once and forever he had certainly not calculated on the force of his words or his manner it had been a mere angry suggestion there was no crudity in baltimore's nature he had never once permitted himself to dwell upon the possibility of separating the boy from his mother such terrible revenge as that was beyond him his whole nature would have revolted against it he had spoken with passion urged by her contempt into a desire to show her where his power lay without any intention of actually using it he meant perhaps to weaken her intolerable defiance and show her where a hole in her armor lay he was not prepared for the effect of his words an ashen shade has overspread her face her expression has become ghostly 
as though her limbs have suddenly given way under her she falls against the mantelpiece and clings to it with trembling fingers her eyes wild and anguish seek his the child gasped she in a voice of mortal terror the child not the child o oh, baltimore you have taken all from me except that leave my child good heavens don't look at me like that exclaims he inexpressibly shocked this sudden and complete abandonment of herself to her fear has horrified him i never meant it i but suggested a possibility the child shall stay with you do you hear me isabel the child is yours when i go i go alone there is a moment's silence and then she bursts into tears it is a sharp reaction and it shakes her bodily and mentally a wild return of her love for him that first sweet and only love of her life returns to her born of intense gratitude but sadly slowly it dies away again it seems to her too late to dream of that again yet perhaps her tears have as much to do with that lost love as with her gratitude slowly her color returns she checks her sobs she raises her head and looks at him still with her handkerchief pressed to her tremulous lips it is a promise says she yes a promise you will not change again nervously you odd doubt to the last says he it is a promise from me to you and of course the word of such a reprobate as you consider me can scarcely be of any avail but you could not break this promise says she in a low voice and with a long long sigh what trust you place in me said he with an open sneer well so be it i give you home and child you give me not worth while going into the magnificence of your gifts is it i give you once a whole heart an unbroken faith says she and you took them back again child's play said he child's promises well if you will have it so you will have got a promise from me now and i think you might say thank you for it as children do i do thank you says she vehemently does not my whole manner speak for me once again her eyes filled with tears so much love for the child cries he in a stinging tone and not one thought for the father true your professions of love were light in thistledown there you are not worth a thought yourself expend any affection you have upon your son and forget me as soon as ever you can it will not take you long once i am out of your sight he strides towards the door and then looks back at her you understand about my going he says that it is decided i mean as you will says she her glance on the ground there is such a total lack of emotion in her whole air that it be suggested itself to an acute student 
of human nature that she is doing her very utmost to suppress even the smallest sign of it but alas baltimore is not that student be just says he sternly it is as you will not as i it is you who are driving me into exile he has turned his back and has his hand on the handle of the door in the act of opening it at this instant she makes a move toward him holding out her hands but as suddenly suppresses herself when he turns again say a last word she is standing where he last saw her pale and impassive as a statue there will be some matters to arrange says he before my going i have telegraphed to hansard his lawyer he will be down in the morning there will be a few papers for you to sign tomorrow papers my will and your maintenance while i'm away and matters that will concern the child's future his future that means that in all probability when i have started i shall never see his face again or yours he opens the door abruptly and is gone end of chapter 50 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc